Welcome to another edition of Come Receive the Light from the Orthodox Christian Network. I'm Mike Trout. Our guest host today, Father Gregory Joyce, is going to talk to a man who has uh, reached the midpoint, probably, of his life and has found a vocation that involves serving others and serving the Lord. Maybe it'll encourage you to think about just where you are in your phase or stage of life, and maybe there's a change in the wind down the road. I really appreciate the fact that I can afford to spend, I shouldn't say my latter years, I I am 51 and hopefully, you know, less than halfway through my life, but regardless, I would love to think that what it is that I'm doing right now both as a cancer health coach and my involvement with the fund for assistance is making a difference. Mark Salavri is the president of Fund for Assistance, an organization that supports the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia, providing resources and assistance for the moral, spiritual education of youth, aiding the clergy, and distributing emergency relief to its missions. Mark has lived and worked internationally most of his adult life, in such countries as Russia, Switzerland, the UK, France, Denmark, Sweden, and Belgium, but always close to a local Rokor church that served as an anchor for him, a home away from home. Two years ago, Mark decided to quit his life as a Harvard MBA-educated business executive and become a cancer coach and supporter of the FFA before he became its president. He enjoys outdoor activities in his new home in Idaho, together with his best four-legged friend, Lapa. Mark, really glad to have you with us today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Father Gregory. So, Mark, um, there's no doubt that we'll learn a lot from you today. So let's get started. I'm, I'm not doubting for a moment that you didn't enjoy your job. Uh, you were close to the church and the countries you worked. So what were you missing? Uh, why did you decide to become a cancer coach? Well, yes, that's a, uh, that's a good question. By the way, in terms of your introduction, for which I thank you, uh, I was, in fact, involved with the FFA prior to becoming a cancer coach. So my, my connection with the FFA extends back to around 2007, 2008, and my move to a cancer coach was only in 2011. But in answer to your uh, question, uh, as you said, I had spent most of my life cultivating what I believed to be success as an executive abroad, uh, you mentioned the countries I lived in and uh, working for multinationals as an executive, such as Disney and Hilton. Um, and in 2010, my partner was diagnosed with breast cancer. And as I was in between jobs, I had the opportunity to accompany her throughout her journey. She already knew that going through conventional treatment and chemotherapy would create some impairment of her cognitive capability. So she said, would you mind being my brains and accompanying me? Uh, and uh, in, in going alongside her through her journey, which ultimately ended in January of 2015, I learned an awful lot in terms of key elements of success Uh, that, in fact, cancer does not need to be a terminal disease. There are so many options available for individuals that are based on lifestyle adaptations. And already I was very heartened and uh, enthusiastic about making a difference as president of the Fund for Assistance when I thought, well, this is just an extension of my being able to make a difference for individuals Uh, going through their journey with a disease that is culturally marked as 
or associated with uh, a certain terminal condition. And I wanted to help dedicate my life to help people navigate the tricky waters of choice, hopefully to health, but if not, then a more peaceful uh, transition. That sounds really like a ministry. Um, do you think that that's a good term for that? In a sense, ministry to the extent that I'm trying to espouse and share what I consider to be truth, yes. Mm -hmm. However, as well, there is an element of having individuals completely empowered. It's more the transference of knowledge that allows individuals to take into their own hands the responsibility for their health, I guess. And and perhaps there's a distinction, but I see, as you say, more of a similarity. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, it's certainly serving other people. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what drew you to become the president of Fund for Assistance, and how do you see its impact on uh, the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia, the youth, the clergy, and even on people outside of the church? Well, I was brought up Russian Orthodox and a member of ROKOR, the Russian Orthodox Church outside of Russia, so I've always felt a strong affinity. I remember spending the summer of 1982 as a youth at the Holy Trinity Monastery in Jordanville. I served as a summer boy and remember the profound impact the church has had throughout my entire life. And so needless to say, uh, as somebody who's impassioned about what the church stands for, its beliefs, its mission, the fact that the Fund for Assistance is, in essence, uh, a charity founded under the Synod of Bishops to help, as you mentioned, those three causes, uh, education or youth ministry, uh, clergy support, and emergency relief. I thought, wow, this is uh, a fantastic cause. Any one of those three within themselves would be worthy of support and attention. I was asked uh, during the reorganization of the Fund for Assistance back in uh, around 2007 to first join as a board member and subsequently asked by the board members to become its president around 2009. Uh, I suppose my colleagues felt that I was in a position to lead the Fund for Assistance through a transformation that would help improve our impact uh, on the members of the church and regarding the people outside the church. I think we serve as a great example of a charity that not only has a key mission, but being unique in that we enjoyed the fact that the administrative costs of our charity were supported through individual donors, and therefore we could claim and continue to claim that every dollar that we receive from our donor base goes to the intended cause, as opposed to a number of other charities who support their administrative costs through donations, and therefore there's a dilutive impact. So I, I believe that we serve as an example for people outside the church, and any time we support any one of those three causes, as mentioned, youth ministry, uh, clergy support, and or emergency relief, there are individuals outside who can see the beneficial impact of 
our efforts and perhaps be drawn to the Church as a result, meeting youth with similar-minded interests, meeting clergy who are able to continue their ministry and thus recruit, such as you, new parishioners to the Church, and, of course, perhaps even being relieved in terms of our emergency relief uh, efforts. So you talked a little bit about what the Fund for Assistance does. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what your hopes for the future are for the Fund for Assistance. Well, as, as with so many charities, the hopes and aspirations for the futures would be centered around being able to raise additional funds because we are constantly challenged by requests for support. Every request or so many requests seem worthy of our uh, of our attention and worthy of our support, but we simply don't have sufficient funds to to support uh, every cause that comes across our table. So we have to be selective, needless to say. Uh, and wouldn't it be great if uh, if we could do so much more? Because uh, we really believe in our mission, and part of that challenge in terms of fundraising is to spread the word of what we're doing. So communication is quite key, and thus, you know, being able to to talk with the likes of you, being able to, um, you know, use uh, social media more effective. Uh, there are so many channels of communication. We feel that if people were more aware of what it is that we stand for and how it is that we are unique, perhaps they'd be more inclined to give us those resources be it direct financial resources or indeed uh, youth who can volunteer for fundraising efforts uh, and and thus accomplish so much more. Well, I, I sure hope that that can, that that can happen because now it's time for my personal testimonial. The Fund for Assistance has supported our uh, diocesan pastoral school to train clergy on several occasions and to the tune of tens of thousands of dollars, and, and we're really, really thankful for that. So I think it's important for the listeners to understand it's not just a kind of a hypothetical thing. Uh, there is really money going out to do what the Fund for Assistance says it's going to do. Thank you, Father. You're welcome. Um, you talked about some of the ways that the Fund for Assistance works, but I would like to talk just a little bit about you now more. Like, where, where are you placing your emphasis? What's important to you in, in your work in the Fund for Assistance? And I mean, as the president, what is it that, that you're doing? I think that's something really interesting to our listeners. Yeah, I suppose what it is I'm doing in terms of the day-to-day -day varies tremendously depending upon uh, the, uh, the demands. Uh, as I mentioned, communication is a key area of focus. So I'm involved in the uh, the authorship and, and or editing review of appeals, uh, looking at uh, social media as a focus. Uh, I oftentimes give presentations uh, to events, for example, uh, the uh, youth conferences. I like to, uh, to show up, so I've, I've been uh, attending those in Paris and in uh, Munich uh, in order to try to uh, help the youth understand that when it is that we support them, that there's so much that they can do in a reciprocal manner to help support us through volunteer efforts. Um, so my my main focus day to day is to is to really try to get the word out. Uh, there are often times where we are faced with uh, on the emergency relief side. Uh, events such such as you know the, the recent hurricanes in, in Texas or Florida, 
for the uh, the earthquake in uh, in Haiti, where we need to mobilize rather rapidly funds to provide uh, direct assistance. Um, I've also spent you know some of my time uh, visiting those key institutions within Rocor. Uh, that we see as so central to the dissemination and the culturing of, of our faith and their clergy. So visits to the Holy Cross Monastery, whom we've supported in West Virginia, uh, visits, of course, to the Holy Trinity Monastery as well, uh, discussions, you know, on how we could create uh, scholarships to, to support uh, seminarians, and the list goes on and on. So part of the, part of the beauty of of the position is that there isn't a day-to-day routine as such because there's such a varied requirement uh, and so many opportunities that uh, that deserve focus. That's great. Well, I mean, if uh, you wake up every morning with something new to do, that's always uh, exciting. So um, maybe as we wrap up, you could tell the listeners just a, a little bit about what you appreciate in your life now that you made uh, sort of a big transition um, to being a cancer coach and being the president of Fund for Assistance. Um, that's quite different probably than what you were doing before. Um, so what is it that you, you appreciate about your life in, in, in this situation? Well, I, I really appreciate the fact that I can afford to spend, I shouldn't say my latter years, I, I am 51 and hopefully, you know, less than halfway through my life, but regardless... I I would love to think that uh, what it is that I'm doing right now, both as a cancer health coach and uh, my involvement with the fund for assistance, is uh, is making a difference. Right? I, I think it's it's uh, so key for me, and I know a lot of people out there, perhaps many of the listeners, question, well, what kind of legacy do we want to leave behind? And it became quite clear to me, you know, despite the fact that having achieved success, you know, the Harvard MBA, the, the you know, tens if not hundreds of millions of dollars of corporate wealth that was created um, could be seen as a measure of success, uh, but you can balance that out against, you know, making a difference uh, of a life of a person in need, uh, a youth who comes to the church when they are so distracted by the vagaries of modern society driving them away, you know, and being able to assist in the process of having them come back into the fold, or a clergy who is in need of medical support, who can't find it otherwise, perhaps because he or his family is destitute, uh, and making that difference, or a person who's suffering in an emergency, uh, you know, an earthquake who otherwise wouldn't have funds to help rebuild their lives, and then extending to, you know, folks with cancer, uh, helping them, in fact, make the kinds of choices that allow them to retain control or re- attain once again control over over the course of their uh, journey and and go back to health. And to me, all of these things mean so much more in terms of my legacy than the you know rather base or crass sort of monetary based ideals of of success I had in my earlier days. So that for that, I'm I feel very blessed. That's wonderful. I think that's especially important for our our young people to hear as they think about their career trajectory, as they say that uh, there's there's more 
uh, to, to life than just making money. Oh, absolutely. So, Mark, I want to thank you very much. I think that's a great place to end it. Um, thank you for joining us today. Uh, it's been very, very interesting. We've learned a lot. Father Gregory, it's been a real pleasure. There are so many things about that interview that I really enjoyed. I've listened through it many times, and perhaps you might want to uh, review it one more time at least and share it with your friends. I especially liked Mark's optimism about how old he's going to be when the Lord calls him home, at least 102. I don't know if you caught that. If you'd like to follow up and learn more about Fund for Assistance, go to their website at fundforassistance.com. We'll have a link to that on our website at myocn.net. This is the Orthodox Christian Network, the umbrella ministry for this particular weekly broadcast called Come Receive the Light. I'm Mike Trout. Thanks for uh, joining us once again. Do share with your friends the fact that this program is here on a regular basis. Our host on a regular basis <laughs> is Father Christopher Metropolis. He is the president of Hellenic College and Holy Cross Orthodox School of Theology in Brookline, Massachusetts, and should be back behind the microphone on the next broadcast. Until we meet again, so to speak, remember to always have faith in what you listen to. I see the world your way, and I'm not afraid to follow. I see the world your way, and I'm not ashamed to say so. I see the Jesus way, and I'm walking in life.